This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. At the half hour, we can look forward to an episode of Duffy's Tavern, where the guest star is one of my favorite tough guys, Sheldon Leonard. But first, let's take a trip to Chicago and a visit with the fictional reporter Randy Stone, who works as the Nightbeat reporter for the Chicago Star. Nightbeat was originally conceived as a hard-boiled newspaper drama, but ended up taking an entirely different direction. The pilot starred future Johnny Dollar star Edmund O'Brien, but it wasn't picked up. The series was retooled with Warren Lewis taking over as producer-director and Frank Lovejoy taking the lead. Nightbeat's Randy Stone is a newspaper man rather than a private eye, so his weapon of choice is a typewriter rather than a 38 snub nose revolver. The stories he uncovers will appear in the family's early bird edition, which places a time constraint on each adventure. A real-life newspaper man in this position would have a series of sources lined up to feed him stories. Stone wanders the neon and shadows of late-night Chicago, personally searching out subjects to write about. And even though he avoids gunplay, there is a better-than-average chance that when the night is done... Stone will be typing his story with bruised knuckles. Tonight, our show is entitled, I Know Your Secret. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. This one started with a secret. A secret that ended with the river. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. most people, nightlife in Chicago means slumming in the honky-tonks, a fast tour of the taverns, or a ringside table at the Shea Paris. To me, it's more than that. Nightlife is made up of the stories that happen in the lives of ordinary people that wouldn't happen in the light of day. And I've got headlines to prove it. It's the time when darkness can hide the ugliness of dirt and misery, or the gloom can make it worse. Those same shadows that are a big help to Cupid can be a cover for crime. And some little thing that today caused fear, tonight can build into despair. This was a night for driving, cool and clear with a suggestion of spring. 
It was dusk when I started, what I intended to be a short drive, but it was late when I turned back to town. I hadn't spotted a story, and none had caught up with me. At Oak Street Beach, where Lakeshore Drive turns and Michigan Avenue begins, I quit kidding myself that I could find the story on wheels and headed for the paper to park my car. I was just approaching the bridge when I saw the girl standing on the rail, her arms held rigid at the sides. I jammed the brakes and stopped within 20 feet of where she stood. And then, as I opened the door, she jumped. Hey! I ran to the rail and vaulted over into the icy river. The girl was nowhere in sight. Hello! And then she came up so close that her shoulder brushed against me. I grabbed her and started for the bank. Let me alone. Let me alone. Look, lady, let's get out of the water. Let me alone, please. Please let me alone. You know what they teach in life-saving? If the victim resists, I don't want it to get rougher. Come on. No. No. A little farther. A little more. There. Climb up. Climb up. There, that's better. Why did you do it? Why did you do it? They know. They know what? What are you talking about? They know my secret. They know my secret. You can tell me about it in the car. Looks like I'm going your way. We stumbled up the bank and under the bridge. People were starting to gather at the rail. I put the girl in the front seat of my car and I pulled away fast. I hated curious. The girl huddled over against the door, shivering. She didn't make a sound until we crossed the bridge. And she began to cry. <laughs> Want to tell me about it? All right, you've been a hero. Why don't you let me alone? Look, I'm only trying to make it easier for you. Strangely enough, when you try to take your own life, it becomes a matter for the police. Oh, no. Does that frighten you? I don't want to see the police. And they want to see you? Why don't you mind your own business and leave me alone? I want to help you. No one can help me. No one. Nothing's ever that bad. Just seems like it. That's easy to say about somebody else. Well, I know it wasn't very original, but neither is jumping off a bridge. Uh, are you a detective? No, no. I'm just a guy. Why did you go in after me? Oh, I saw you jump just as I drove up. Reflex, maybe. I was in the water before I had time to think. I guess I do owe you something. Well, now that's more like it. I'll settle for a cup of hot coffee and some dry clothes. I can make the coffee. I don't know about the dry clothes. Maybe the janitor can find you some. <laughs> it's quite a trade. A cup of coffee for my life. One of us is getting gypped. She talked after that, and I could tell it was to keep me from asking questions. I couldn't make her out. If she was still angry, she didn't show it. It was a reaction I'd never seen before. She wasn't happy or unhappy. It seemed more that... Well, did you ever see anyone who was resigned to living? I drove to the address she gave me on Walton Street. It was a better-than-average apartment house, a good district. No clues there to suicide. She even joked a little as we reached the front door. Sorry, I must have left my bag in the river. Oh, the, the janitor will let us in. Must be pretty exclusive here. Well, I hadn't noticed it. Why do you say that? Only three names on all those letterboxes. Well, that's all there are. Wanda Rhodes, that's me, and, and Miss Henrietta Dietz. 
Etta lives across the hall. And Judson. He died seven months ago. Then there are only two people living in this big building? Well, there's the manager, but he's hardly ever here, and the janitor. Why? Well, maybe you haven't heard there's a housing shortage in Chicago. Don't tell me the house is haunted. No. No, I guess not. I don't get it. What do you want? Oh, let us in, Lucky. I lost my key. What happened to you, Miss Rhodes? You were all wet. Oh, she had an accident. She was walking on the pier and she slipped. Oh, uh, this is... Randy Stone. Yes, he helped me out. Could you find Mr. Stone some other clothes? I need something dry to wear home. I'll bring them back. I don't know. Well, anything will do as long as it's dry. Here's a deposit. When I return your clothes, you can keep it as rent. Well, all right. Walking on piers tonight, bringing home strange men, bound for... Are you feeling better? I'm beginning to, Mr. Stone. Randy, hmm? All right, Randy. Let's get that coffee, huh? Oh, all the comforts of home. <gasps> what is it, Wanda? What is it? Look, in lipstick on the mirror. I know you're sick. Oh, it's there again. All right, easy, baby, easy. Sit down here with your back to it. That's better. Now, what's it all about? I... I can't tell you everything. But tell me what you can. It'll do you good. All right, I'll try. At, at, at first, it, it was typewritten notes. What do they say? That. I know your secret? Yes. Go on. The first one was yesterday. No, no, the day before. It was slipped under the door. Wasn't signed, of course. Oh, no, none of them were. How many notes have you had? I don't know. They, they were everywhere under the door in my mailbox. I even found one in the laundry. Say anything about it to anyone? Oh, no. Not... Not till you... You, you don't understand. Yeah, I think I understand. Who else knows about this uh, secret? No one. No one here in Chicago. What else happened other than the notes? There were the sounds. But I, I can't be sure about that. What sounds? I may have imagined it. The notes got on my nerves, I guess. I, I began to hear things, you know, boards creaking, footsteps. I, I'd hear something outside in the hall when I'd open the door that... There'd be nothing there. Imagination can do strange things. I tried going out to get it off my mind, but that made it worse. I dreaded coming home. I knew what I'd find. You let those notes drive you... Then there was the phone. There was no mistake about that. That began late this afternoon. Hello? 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 Hmm. Hello? Hello? Hello, who is this? to do. I'll fix you. I'll leave the receiver off the hook. There. That'll settle that. 
all the crazy things. Well, ring, go ahead. See if you can ring now. Oh. Hello. This is the service operator. Is your receiver off the hook? Well, yes. Are you using this line? Well, no, but you see... Then I must ask you to hang up your receiver. Operator, let me explain. My phone keeps ringing. When I answer, there's no one there. There is a party waiting for your line. Is it a man or a woman? I'm sorry, we cannot give out that information. Will you please replace your receiver and see if your number can be dialed? Oh, all right. Hello? Hello? Number, please. Oh, I want the service operator, please. I will ring the service department. I am ringing. Service operator. Oh, operator, something has got to be done about this phone. What is your trouble, madam? Well, I just talked to you. You made me hang up my receiver. Oh, well, that must have been another operator. If you'll tell me your trouble, I will have it checked. Look, my, my, my phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing, and, and when I answer it, there's no one there. I, I, I can't stand it. My nerves are shot as it is. I, I can't stand it, I tell you. Well, the trouble may be in your phone. Well, of course it's in my phone. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If the trouble is in the instrument, it cannot be checked until morning. Morning? Well, what am I supposed to do until then? I can't stand here and listen to this thing ring all night. We will send a serviceman as soon as we can. Yes, yes, you just do that. But until he gets here, this receiver stays off the hook. I'm sorry, madam, you cannot do that. Why not? Just see if you can stop me. I'm sorry, madam, you cannot do that. Who does she think she is? Oh, hello. This is the service operator. What do you want now? Is your receiver off the hook? Yes, my receiver is off the hook. You know it is. I told you I was going to leave my receiver off, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm sorry, you cannot do that. Can I? Well, who's going to stop me, I'd like to know. Your number is on a four-party line. When your receiver is up, it stops the service on all the lines. I must insist that you replace your receiver. And what will you do if I don't? It's my duty to see that the lines are open. I will have to keep ringing until you do. Oh! oh. Hello! 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 Oh. The phone kept ringing. And ringing. Until I guess I went a little crazy. I grabbed my coat and ran down the hall. When I got to the front door, I found a note pasted on the glass. I know your secrets. I... I don't know just what happened after that. I... I remember running. And that cold water. Is there someone who would really want to harm you? Yes. uh, I don't know. All right, we'll see. You should be getting out of those wet clothes. Come on now, find something warm and dry. Oh, what about you? Well, oh, does that answer your question? I think that's my tailor now. Now go in and change and knock before you come back. What? Yeah, just like that. Oh. Oh. Here's some clothes. Oh, you must be the man from Sears. Hmm? Oh. What's that? There's something you can do for me, Pop. My name's... They call me Lucky. What is it you want? 
I want the names and present addresses of some of the tenants who used to live here. What do you want that for? I want to ask them why they moved from here. What business is it of yours? It's not. I'm just curious. Oh, that ain't in my department. Uh Uh-huh. Will this uh, help you find that information? Mm, Sure easy with your money, ain't you? Well, put it away. It won't do you no good. First place, I don't know where they moved. Second place, I can tell you why. I go myself and I had any place to move. Why did they move? Because this is a crazy house, that's why. People walking around all hours, a peeping and a prying. You wouldn't be meaning that for me, would you? No, no, for you. Wandering all over they was. Top floor, this floor, even in the basement. I saw them a-looking and a-searching. Searching for what? I ain't a-saying. Now, tell me what you mean, Pop. Uh, Lucky, you can tell me about it. There ain't nothing more I'm going to say except this. Just heed, mister, you don't get in somewhere you can't get out of. Alive. You are listening to Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. There I stood in a strange apartment, wringing wet with an armful of shabby, faded clothes and a door slammed in my face. Well, I wonder what that was all about. Must be as nutty as a candy bar. Just heed, mister, you don't... Yeah! Can I come in now? Oh, not yet. Has Lucky gone yet? Yeah. Who are you talking to? Oh, myself. It's getting me, too. Okay, come on in. What's getting you to, Randy? This house. Next, I'll be hearing things. You don't believe me? Oh, sure, sure. I believe most of it happened. The rest was the product of fear and panic. What about this, this uh, Henrietta? What's her name? Etta? What about her? Think she'd know anything? If she doesn't, it's not her fault. She tries to keep an eye on everything. Well, maybe I should get my stories from her. That's a gal I want to see. Come on. Not me. I wouldn't be caught dead. <gasps> yeah. All right, you make some coffee. I'll be back. I stepped across the hall, rang the buzzer. There was no answer. I rang again several times. I knocked, and I waited. And then I heard it. it. sounded like someone in trouble, someone moaning. I put my shoulder to the door at the same time I tried the knob. The door opened to my touch, and I almost fell into the room. There in the center of the floor swayed a little white-haired lady, and she was singing. In her hand, she held a typewritten note. When she saw me, she smiled pleasantly. Hello? I'm sorry to break in like this. I, I rang. Well, come in. I see you got a note, too. What? That note. Uh, oh, this. Oh, yes, isn't it exciting? Here, see? I know your secret. What? I know your secret. Speak up, young man. Don't be afraid of me. I know your secret. Oh, you do? Then you must be the one who sent this. Do you have one? Oh, dear. Just a minute while I fasten my aid. Now, uh, what did you say? Do you have one? You needn't shout, young man. I can hear perfectly well. Now, what is it you want to borrow? Do I have one what? Do you have a secret? <laughs> a secret? I thought you said you knew. All right, look, let's, uh, let's start over. Now, I walked in. You were holding a typewritten note in your hand which said, I know your secret. I read the note. I did not send it. That clear? 
Why, yes, it seems so to me. Uh, what is it you don't understand? Miss, uh... Dietz. Miss Dietz, do you have a secret? <laughs> Young man, I am 60. Uh, that is 58. I taught school for more than 25 years. I am not deformed nor disfigured. There are those who even caught me attractive. <laughs> is it so hard to believe that at some time in my life, there has occurred one event that could be called my secret? Well, has there? Not that I can think of. I should have known better. All right, thank you, Miss Dietz. I'm afraid you can't help me after all. Well, try. Ask me something. All right, okay. Okay, yes. once once more. <laughs> what can you tell me about the tenants who were here, the last ones to move? Oh, I can tell you plenty. Now, there was that Mr. Taylor. He was a traveling man, and you know how traveling men are. Okay. Yes. Then there was that Mrs. May. That one, she spent a fortune on psychiatrists, but that didn't keep her from drinking alone. <laughs> you know, she would draw the shades. She said it was her eyes. <laughs> and she would come out for three or four days. <laughs> Do you know why they moved? No, I don't. I know where they moved, though. Yes, I, I have it right here. <laughs> there, here you are. Thank you, yes, thank you. Now, let me tell you about No, that. no, no, thank you, Miss Deeds. I know when I've had enough. Wanda had coffee made when I got back to her apartment. It was strong and hot. Wanda sipped and watched me. I drank one cup and I started on another. See her? Yeah, yeah. Why didn't you tell me? I tried to. I feel like I'm playing hopscotch. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, this, this whole thing is out of my line. I'm pulling out of it. Oh, well, that's just damn. Oh, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is a matter for the police. I don't want the police to know anything about it. And I say that they should. If you've committed a crime and you're hiding, go to them and get it over. If not, they have detectives who can clear this up. No. I, I haven't broken any law. But there'd be publicity. I've seen it happen before. Pictures, names in the papers. Okay, okay, all right. It's your ballgame. We'll play your rules. I'll go see what I can find out from the ones that moved. You are going to help me? Sure, baby, sure. Promise me you'll stay right here, hmm? Oh, I won't try it again. Once was enough. I started with the nearest ex-tenant, Mr. Taylor. He answered my second ring. He was wearing pajamas and street shoes. His body was moving, but his mind wasn't. Yeah, uh, what do you want? Mr. Taylor? Uh, yeah, I'm Taylor. May I come in? Oh, sure, come in. Uh, what do you want? I want to ask you about the Walton apartments. Wal Walton? Who are you? Why did you leave the Walton apartments, Mr. Taylor? What are you getting at? Did you receive threatening notes? Yeah. Typewritten. What do you know about them? Was that why you left? Because someone knew too much? Take off, mister. I'm not buying. Were there phone calls, too? Calls when no one answered? You don't know when to quit, do you? First notes, then phone calls, now in person. So you're the one. The one what? The one that drove you out? Proud of that, aren't you? You're pretty busy with that typewriter and that phone. Well, now I'll take my turn. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You got that wrong. Oh, you're the one who got it wrong, mister. I shouldn't have moved in the first place. I didn't write those notes. Yeah, I suppose somebody sent you. Well, I don't care which way it is. I got a message you can return. Now, listen to me. I listened Look... long enough. I listened to that telephone, remember? I did not do... You want to back out. Should have thought of that before you rang my bell in the middle of the night. I'm trying to help. Help? Oh, that's a new one. I don't know what you want, but this is what you're going to get. Ah, yeah, let me explain. Sure, come back any time. We'll talk about secrets. For a traveling man, Taylor had a good right. I don't know what he sold, but it must have been heavy, for his arm was in good condition. 
When I came to, I was lying in the hall in front of his door like a watchdog. I was convinced that Taylor was not interested in my explanations, so I went to see Mrs. May. I knocked several times at her door before it opened a little way. She looked at me and started to close the door again. I stopped her with my foot. She was in cream and curlers. I could have chinned myself on her breath. What do you want? I want to talk to you about the Walton apartments. I don't know anything about them. Who are you? I'm a reporter, Chicago Star. No, I don't know you. You get out before I call the police. I wouldn't do that, Mrs. May. Why? The Walton apartments, remember? The Walton apartments. Why did you move? There's no law against it. What business is that of a reporter? Did you ever receive threatening notes or phone calls? Oh, I... I just wanted to move. That's all. So I did. Mrs. May, I know your secret. You... You're the one that sent those notes. You're the one that rang me all day and all night. What do you want with me? You can't blackmail me. I'll go to the police. I'll put a stop to this a year. I'll put a stop to this. So you did receive typewritten notes. Man, not the papers. I'll do anything, anything you say, but don't print anything in the papers. What do you want? Mrs. May, I I'll pay wa- anything, anything. Only don't tell my secret. And all the time, I thought it was her. She watched me all the time. I was ashamed of what I'd done, but it was the quickest way, and there wasn't much time. I apologized for the ruse and the shock it had given her. When her alcoholic brain finally understood what I was saying, she turned her back and started for a tray of bottles on the table. I used her phone and called Wanda. No, no, don't call Wanda. anymore. Wanda, I'll do what? anything, but only please don't call anymore. Please. Wanda, Wanda, it's Randy Stone. Everything's all right. I'll be right over. Mrs. May didn't hear me when I left. Wanda was near collapse when I reached her apartment. Her phone had rung almost constantly since I left there, and it was still ringing. Randy, that phone is driving me crazy. All right, let it ring. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I gotta get out of here. Maybe that would be better. I'll take you to a hotel. You can stay there the rest of the night. Pick up your things tomorrow. No, no, I've gotta get out of this house. I won't live here with just a loony old woman and a snooping janitor. Okay, baby, okay. I'll ring for your trunks. The the, the house phone? Use, Use the house phone over there. Okay. Do I press a button? No, no, just lift the receiver up. He'll answer. I guess he isn't there. I... Oh, Pop, it's Randy Stone. I'm in Miss Rhodes' apartment. Will you bring up her trunk? She's moving out tonight. Okay, Lucky. That phone! That phone, I can't stand it. I've got to answer it, Randy. I've got... It stopped. Randy, it stopped. Yeah. It nearly had me stopped. Sometimes you look right at a thing and you never see it. It was there from the very beginning, but it was too easy and I refused to see it. I met Lucky at the door and helped him carry the trunk into Wanda's apartment. I closed the door behind us. What's that for? Why'd you shut the doors? There's another trunk out there. We won't be needing it, Lucky. But you said... She's changed her mind. She's not leaving tonight. But you said she was moving. Why do you want to drive the tenants to move? I don't do nothing. It was them, the, the people, around at all hours, uh, peeping and a prying. Are you hiding something, Lucky? You. You've been snooping, too, just like the others. I saw them down there, and you, too, Miss Rhodes, trying to find out where I hid it. I don't know what you mean. Ah, you can't fool me. You found out about it. 
I saw you snooping in the basement, pretending you was doing your laundry. I know you want to steal it from me. I've never stolen anything in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. What did you steal, Lucky? What did you steal and hide in the basement? I didn't steal it. I found it. Found it? Well, the same thing's finding it. It was in that suitcase Mr. Judson stored here when he came back from the war. It was Luke. It weren't his. He stole it. I didn't. What was it, Lucky? A bag of jewels. A plain old canvas bag of jewels. Oh, they were so pretty. I never had nothing so pretty before. If you took them from his case, that's stealing. But I didn't. Case got knocked off in the basement and come open. He, he never come back. He was killed in that plane crash. That makes it mine. Now, don't it the same as I find it? You were the one that was phoning me? Sure. I knew if I could scare you off, you'd quit snooping. And I would have, too, if that nosy newspaper guy hadn't butted in. But how did you know about my secret? Yeah, I didn't. Then why did you type those notes? I knew you had a secret. Everybody has one, and if you thought I knew about it, you wouldn't tell about me. You didn't know anything about Wanda? No. When I tried the first time, the people moved, and that gave me the idea, so I've been doing it ever since. Lucky. That's what they call me, Lucky. And now your luck has run up. No, it ain't. This was in the bag, too. A gun? Yes, Miss Nose, your loaded gun. What's that? It's the phone. I'll take care of that gun now. Oh, no, no, not again. All right, baby, I'll answer Hello. We have been able to check your line. We cannot locate your trouble. Oh, yes. Uh, thanks a lot, operator. You can cancel the complaint. We've located the trouble right here. Oh, an operator. Give me the police. Well, there it is. A story of what can happen when guilt starts eating a man's insides. He didn't intend to hurt all those people, but he did. He just happened to hit a sore spot they all had. And Wanda's secret was something very small, but she'd made it important. That's not so hard to do. You can hold a dime in front of your eye and black out a whole city. Pretty good writer once wrote, Thus doth our conscience... Make cowards of us all. <laughs> yeah, I guess everybody has a secret, something they'd rather nobody else knew. That is, everybody except you and me. <laughs> yeah. Copy, boy. Night Beat, a new dramatic series, stars Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Tonight's script was written by Joel Hunt. Nightbeat is edited by Larry Marcus and directed by Warren Lewis. Music is by Frank Worth. The part of Wanda was played by Joan Banks. Others in tonight's cast were Jeff Corey, Martha Wentworth, Betty Lou Gerson, Colleen Collins, and Will Wright. Frank Lovejoy will next be seen in Milton Sperling's production, Rock Bottom, released by Warner Brothers. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Duffy's Tavern, starring Sheldon Leonard, who once uttered this line in one of his many tough guy appearances. You better watch out, buddy, or you're going to wind up wearing cement shoes sucking mud from the bottom of the Hudson River. (laughs) Here's the episode first aired in 1949, entitled The Bully. (laughs) 
Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where you'll eat meat to eat Archie to man your bacon. Duffy ain't here. Hello, Duffy. Huh? Yeah, quite a party here last night. Well, you know, it was the annual meeting of the Third Avenue Shillelagh and Friendship Society. Uh, so around 10 o'clock, uh, everything was going along kind of quiet. You know, a few broken windows, some cracked skulls, a couple of fractured ribs, and then suddenly it started. <laughs> the rowdy element from Second Avenue moved in. Well, the first thing you know, the fight was on. Duffy, you should have seen the place. There were so many teeth scattered around, the floor looked like it was smiling. <laughs> what a brawl. Yeah. yeah. After the battle, uh, you know, just to see what happened to people, we counted noses. Uh, there were six missing. <laughs> no, not people, noses. <laughs> well, look, I gotta hang up. I'm uh, just checking a list of the damages here. Eddie... <laughs> Yeah, 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 Mr. Eddie, uh, we got to make a list of the damages for the insurance company. Yeah. Now, take this down. Okay. Thirteen broken legs. Thirteen broken legs. Yeah, two chairs, one table, and a tourist from Hoboken. <laughs> Let's see. Articles missing. Uh, one sterling uh, silver beer mug, value $500. Hey, Roger, we ain't never had no $500 beer mug. I said this was for the insurance company. <laughs> Uh, say, speaking of missing articles, where was you last night while the battle was going on? Me? Oh, I was taking a walk. How come? I had a sudden craving to die of old age. <laughs> well, ashamed of you, Eddie. I'm glad at least that I ain't the kind of a guy that runs away from a fight. No, you would have to carry away. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, you should have been here last night. What happened? Well, there I was. You say you wasn't here last night? No. You sure? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ain't talked to nobody that was here? No. Well, sir, there I was. <laughs> hey, back to the wall, see, with these three tough guys closing in on me. So I think fast, and I see there's only one thing to do. So I do it. What? I swing from the floor and knock all three of them out with one punch. Three with one punch? Now, how is that possible? I just hit him. I don't explain him. <laughs> so, the next thing I do... Uh... Pick up the three guys and toss them into the gutter. Who's telling this story? <laughs> Sorry. So, like I was saying, I pick up these three guys and toss them into the gutter. <laughs> Eddie, I was like a man biting a dog. Oh, boy. Say, that must have been quite a battle last night. Miss Duffy, all I know is any guy on 3rd Avenue that ain't got a broken nose this morning is a dame. <laughs> it's a lucky thing I was here to keep things from getting out of hand. What did you do? What did I do? All I did was... You say you wasn't here last night? Right. Are you sure? Yeah. And you ain't talked to nobody that was here? No. Well, sir, there I was. <laughs> back to the wall. <clears throat> when these uh, characters start rushing me, see, six of them. Hold it, hold it. A minute ago, there was only three. A minute ago, I didn't know my own strength. <laughs> so as I was saying, Miss Duffy, I let fly with me Sunday haymaker, see, and I knocked all six of them into the alley. Six men with one punch? Archie, that don't make sense. 
In the heat of battle, who stops for logic? <laughs> what a brawl, though. As I start hitting these guys, they're laying all over the place. I'm telling you, I ain't never seen such a mess. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, and again... Uh, hi, I heard it was quite a shindig here last night. Wasn't you here? No. Are you sure? Yeah. You ain't talked to nobody that was here? No. Well, sir, there I was. Back to the wall. Twelve guys jumping me. Twelve? Quiet, I'm rolling. So, anyways, I pick out this big guy. He must have been seven feet tall, see? Well, fellas, I'd rather not talk about it. Oh, go on. Let's tell us. I'd rather not. Uh, us unsung heroes have got sort of a code, uh, what we call false modesty. <laughs> oh, come on now. T- tell us some more. I'd, I'd rather not talk about it, then. Okay, have it your way. Will you quit interrupting? <laughs> so as I was saying, this seven-foot bruiser starts picking on me, so I throw him over my shoulder, see, and bounce him on the floor a couple of times, see. You mean a seven-foot tall and you threw him over your shoulder? It's an old Japanese leverage trick, uh, <clears throat> what they call Harry Carey. <laughs> Well, to make a long story short, before the night's over, I have mayhemed at least 12 guys, see? Oh, boy. You know what? You always was a great fighter. I remember when you was in school, you could lick anybody in the fourth grade. No wonder. At that time, he was in the eighth grade. (laughs) Well, just the same. I'll bet he's the bravest guy in the world. Right, Arch? Why? wouldn't say that. (laughs) Well, I would. I suppose after last night, I do have a terrific reputation. Boy, but you're the greatest fighter in the world. Well, now, Fennec... Look, Archie, I ain't the kind of guy that goes around looking for autographs, but do me a favor, will you? What? So I'll be able to tell me grandchildren, punch me in the nose. (laughs) Look, Fennec, if I ever hit you, you won't have no grandchildren. Oh, come on, Archie, you're a friend of mine. Please, knock me out. Sorry, Finnegan, but I got to straighten me strength for emergencies. Now, uh, as I was saying, this guy was seven feet tall. Yeah, see? yeah. So no sooner do I get through with him than his big brother comes in. About eight feet tall. Give or take an inch. <laughs> well, anyway, this guy comes up to me, see, hey, and... Hey, I'd like a drink. Later, bud, I'm telling a story. So like I say... This uh, eight-foot guy is toting a rod. He's standing there with his brass knuckles emptying the nickels out of the pinball machine. Well, right away, I can see that he's a troublemaker, see? Hey, pal, I said that I would like a drink. Look, will you stop interrupting? Now, where was I? Oh, yeah. So I goes over to him, and I says, Look, chum, did you come in here looking for trouble? Hey, look, Doc, I am becoming Ike. Am I gonna get that drink? Quiet, will you? I'm doing a talking here. Hey, Bud, you ain't gonna be doing a talking very long if I shove me fist down your throat. Hmm. Oh, it's one of your socks that's Quiet. Quiet. <laughs> the gentleman is talking. <clears throat> you were saying something, sir? I was about to say that you are a stinking bartender. <laughs> Well, sir, uh, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. <laughs> Just a minute, 
Bud. You better not talk to Archie that way. You know, last night he beat up 40 guys like you. Uh, please, uh, leave us not poor, our guest. Now, uh, look, what kind of a drink would you like, Mr. Uh, uh... McGurk is the name. Spike McGurk. And now I don't want a drink because I don't like being ignored, and I don't like fresh bartenders, and I don't like you. But, Mr. McGurk... You talk too much. Good night, punk. Oh, yeah, you and who else? <laughs> Funny, you never think of them clever answers until it's too late. <laughs> well, sir, as I was saying... Uh, don't talk to me, Arch. What's the matter? Letting that McGuck push you around. Well, Pullion, you know how hot-headed I am. It took a lot of self-control to keep so cool. Cool, you was positively shivering. <laughs> but you said last night you beat up 12 guys. Arch, were you just lying? Finnegan, you know, if I was lying, I'd have made it 14. <laughs> well, then how come you was afraid of just one guy? I wasn't afraid. It's just that I fight best when the odds is against me. Well, all I know is when I stood there and saw McGuck insulting you and I saw you stand there and take it, uh, well, I hate to say it. What? Arch, something died inside of me. <laughs> made me, made me feel ashamed that I was a man. Now, look, Clifton. I don't like to say it, but goodbye, coward. <laughs> look like you lost a friend. Yeah, I'm really a little ashamed of myself, Betty. I've known a guy all my life, and his friendship means a lot to me. Guess there's only one thing to do. What? Lick McGirt. <laughs> Are you kidding? One punch on the chin and you'd be out cold. Are you and Fur and I have a glass jaw? All I'm saying is the last guy that hit you there wound up with seven years' bad luck. <laughs> Nevertheless, I got to show Finnegan I ain't no coward. No sacrifice is too great to keep a friend's friendship. Hey, wait a minute. Here he comes back. Uh, now, look, Arch. Finnegan, are you still talking to me? Sure, can't you tell? <laughs> Sometimes it's hard. But uh, anyhow, I got news for you. I'm going to fight McGuy. Well, I... Really? Yeah. Oh, I knew you wouldn't let me down, Arch. Shake. Okay, put it there. Ouch! Be careful, Finnegan. That's the hand that's going to knock out Spike McGuy. <laughs> Arch just makes me the happiest man in the world. You see, Eddie, you don't make... What, to make a friend happy? All I got to do is go out and get myself killed. <laughs> Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. What you doing? Uh, I'm training for the fight, Eddie. I'm doing my breathing exercises. Sir. Yeah, after Spike McGirt gets through with you, you won't have to worry about breathing. <laughs> Oh, yeah, don't be so sure about that. You know, where I come from, we chew rust and spit nails. <laughs> that man is twice as big as you. So what? Size ain't everything. Remember the story of David and Goliath? I'm the David type. <laughs> well, you certainly can sling it. 
Eddie, stop interrupting me training, will you? Now, uh, where'd I put that glass of carrot juice? Carrot juice? Yeah, it gives you calcium. What? What? All you got to do is wait, man. You get plenty of calcium during the fight. What do you mean? McGurk will knock your teeth down your throat. <laughs> Eddie, brute force ain't everything. Remember, in boxing, it takes brain as well as brawn. Okay, so you're a two-time loser. Oh, yeah? Well, just wait till I get in condition now. Uh, give me another drink of that carrot juice. Hey, Archie, why do you keep drinking that stuff for? It's good for me, Miss Duffy. It puts hair on my chest. Oh. Care for some? <laughs> no, thanks. Hey, look, uh, don't you think you better do some boxing? Yeah, who can I use for sparring partner? Hmm. Eddie, I don't like to ask you to do this. You know, boxing is a kind of a rough sport, but how about going a couple of rounds with me? Be happy to. Nothing doing, you're too anxious. <laughs> Let's see, who else is there? Uh, how about you? I happen to be a woman. Who has to know? <laughs> No, thanks. Okay, let's see. Who else is there? Hey, Arch. Oh, hello, Joe. Hey, I hear you're going to fight Spike McGurk. That's right. Do you really want to look good against him? Well, certainly I do. Then, before the fight, put a little Vitalis on your hair. Because with Vitalis on the hair, everybody looks good. Tell me, why is that, Joe? Because Vitalis and the 60-second workout tames down dry, unruly hair and helps keep it handsome and healthy-looking. And without a greasy patent leather shine. No mineral oil in Vitalis, you know. No, just carrot juice. <laughs> no, Vitalis contains only pure vegetable oil. And the Vitalis 60-second workout refreshes and stimulates your scalp. Actually prevents hair and scalp dryness. So, Arch, take my tip. Before the fight, put a little Vitalis on your hair. Why, Joe? The referee ain't gonna be a dame. I know, but at least when they carry you out of the ring, you'll be well-groomed. Oh. Uh, Miss Archer, why don't you give up this fight with McGirt? I can't, Eddie. I told you. I gotta prove to Finnegan that, that I ain't a coward. Besides, I'm getting in pretty good shape here. Uh, feel this muscle. Mmm. What does it feel like? J-E-L-L-O! Hey, Art, are you getting in shape? Never felt better in my life, Finnegan. Good, I'll go tell McGurk you're ready for it. Uh, just a minute. Uh, believe us, not being a rush about this. What? You ain't gonna let me down again, are you? Well, no, it's just that I feel I could use a little more training. Eddie, the carrot juice, please. <laughs> Eight, nine, ten. <clears throat> well, that takes care of the chest exercises. Eddie, uh, measure me up again, will you? Uh, yeah, now, let's see. Neck, 15 inches. Shoulders. Hmm. Something wrong? No, I was just wondering, what keeps your collar from sliding down over your shoulder? Hey, sir. Ah, you're looking great shape. Well, uh, yes. Shall uh, I go get McGuck? Well, we don't have to hurry. I ain't quite finished me training yet. Eddie, uh, pass me the carrot juice, please. <laughs> Inhale. 
exhale. Exhale. Inhale. Well, how'd you go, Notch? Uh, pretty good, Finnegan. You uh, had plenty of carrot juice? Yeah, loaded with it. Good, then you won't mind the surprise. What's the surprise? Well, McGurk is on his way That's over. That's nice. I... Would you mind to repeat that? Well, I told him you was ready, so he's on his way over for the fight. And, Notch, I want to tell you I'm mighty proud of you. <laughs> I'll go get you some more carrot juice. Eh? McGurk is on his way over. Eddie. Eddie, how am I going to get out of this? I can't fight this guy. I, I got my career to think of. Your career? Yeah, well, I'm fighting. Might, might ruin my fingers for mixing martinis. <laughs> now, maybe you should challenge him to a duel. With swords? Or pistol? Eddie, you just give me an idea. What? How about I just challenge him to a debate? Miss <laughs> Oz, if you want to keep Finnegan's friendship, there ain't no way you can get out of this. But, Eddie, me, me nerves, they're all jittery. Look, look, turn on the radio. Maybe some music will relax me, huh? Okay. Friends, do you need accident insurance? <laughs> Eddie, I said music. I'm trying. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. My two front teeth. My two front teeth. You know, I'll try another station. And what a fight it is at Madison Square Garden. The crowd is yelling for blood. I'm sorry. Leave it on. Maybe I'll get a few pointers. What a massacre. Left him alone, lashes out. And once again, battling gentleman goes down. He gets up and runs into another slashing right. And then a left. And then another right. Gentleman is now hanging onto the ropes. And, uh uh-oh, the referee is stopping the fight. It's a merciful end to a bitter battle, folks. Fight fans haven't seen a slaughter like this since that memorable night six years ago when Kid Hogan was so brutally beaten by that roughest fighter of all time... Spike McGurk. <laughs> Care for some carrot juice? <laughs> Did you hear that? That's the guy that's coming down here to malfeast me. Eddie, <laughs> what am I going to do? Get hold of yourself. Get some confidence. I got plenty of confidence, but it's all in McGurk. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should do the sportsman-like thing, huh? What's that? Get out of town. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's too late. What do you mean? Look what just come in the door. Spike McGurk. Oh, quick, Eddie. Eddie, we got to act fast. What you going to do? Well, there's only, thing we, only one thing we can do, Eddie. Uh, yeah? You throw the bum out. I... <laughs> <laughs> throw him out. Man, I'm buying this gentleman a drink. Oh, no. Man, I was tipped off that a certain pony has been begging for a fight, so that I thought I would drop over and oblige the crumb. <laughs> good evening, sir. Uh, may I bid you good evening, Mr. McGuire? Who are you? Friend of the loser. <laughs> well, here he is, Josh. Go ahead. Tell him all. Now look, McGurk, uh, uh... That's telling him. <laughs> Give me a chance, Eddie. I'll tell him. Now, first, let me tell you what I think of you, see? I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you act. In fact, I don't like anything about you. Well, none of us is perfect. <laughs> Oh, I hope I wasn't right when I called you a coward. Okay, McGurk, would you care to step outside? <laughs> would you repeat that? 
Would you care to step outside? <laughs> Let's go. Okay, you go outside and I'll stay inside. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, quit stalling. But, but McGurk, we got a rule here at the tavern. No, no, no fighting allowed without boxing gloves. Right, Eddie? Right. And uh, we don't happen to have no boxing gloves to... Right, Eddie? Right. Oh, there's boxing gloves right there on the wall. I wonder if his friendship is worth it. <laughs> Come on, Arch. I'll help you put the gloves on. Well, we all got to go sometime. Okay, Finnegan. Hey, Eddie. Eddie, help me with my gloves, will you? Yeah, okay, champ. Uh, look, look, Mr. McGurk. Come here, sir. Yeah? Uh, could you kind of take it easy on Mr. Archer? You know, sort of leave him living a little bit. <laughs> Why should I? Well, you see, he, he, he ain't such a bad guy, you see. The, the, the reason he talked himself into this fight is on account of his friend, Mr. Finnegan. See, he didn't, he didn't want him to think he was a coward. Oh, so, so that's it, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I, I can understand how the guy feels. I remember I was a little scared once before a fight. I'll never forget the look in me kid brother's eyes. Oh, he lost all his faith in me that night. <laughs> yeah, I can understand how this Archie feels. Eddie, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you... I think I am going to let him win. Oh, thank you, Miss McGuire. That's nice of you. Well, I got the gloves on. Well, that's good. Let's fight. You realize, sir, this is your last chance to back out. <laughs> Cut the conversation, will you? Come on, come on, hit me. Uh, just a second. Mercy me, I think I smelled something burning in the kitchen. Come back here, I'm in a hurry. Now, look, will you just make a fist, hold out your arm, and I'll run into it. <laughs> Wait a minute, I, I just remembered I gotta go over to the library. I, I got a book that's overdue. Uh, don't be scared. Last night you beat up 12 guys. Last night I was a much younger man. <laughs> My former friend... I'm afraid that you are a coward. Okay. That did it. McGurk, here it comes. Dead. Ouch. <laughs> Please, mister, do not hit me no more. I have had enough, and you have emerged victorious. <laughs> Boy, Arch, I'm proud of you. Thank you, Finnegan. Well, champ, so long and congratulations. Just a minute. <laughs> Come back here. Huh? I ain't through with you, McGurk. <laughs> Mr. Arch, now please. Uh, put out of this, Eddie. Look, McGurk, I don't like your face. I don't like the way you talk. And I don't like you. Now, look, pal, will you leave well enough alone? Don't talk that way to me, you punk. Put up your dukes. Ah, there's blood on the moon tonight. <laughs> pal, I am trying to be nice to you, but don't push your luck too far. Yeller, huh? Take this, McGurk. Arch, speak to me. <laughs> oh, that dirty McGurk. Eddie, give me that bottle. Hey, look, McGurk, your shoelace is untied. It is? Yeah. Now, take that. Oh, that did it. Now, Eddie, let's pick Arch up. All right. Hey, hey what? 
Where am I? You all right, Arch? What happened? Hey. Hey, look at my cook. Out cold on the floor. That's right. You see, fellas? That carrot juice is pretty strong stuff. (laughs) And after this, Finnegan, when you talk about somebody being a coward, look the other way, will you? leave Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday when our guests will be Ann Southern and Jimmy Durante. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Vitalis for well-groomed hair and Truchet, the hand lotion with the beforehand extra. Each Wednesday, Bristol Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.